Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan. We have an awesome show for you today, but before we get into that, I'd like to remind everyone that if you're enjoying the content, please make sure that you give us a rating and review. And if you've done so already, make sure you tell some of your friends about the podcast available on all major podcast platforms and to follow us on Instagram, as well as our Any Given You Facebook page and group, which is continuing to grow every week. The You crew is expanding. The Any Given You army is coming out in droves, and we are so happy and thankful for that. Here we go. Week four preview episode, and we're not quite sure what this week will hold, but I can I can tell you, rest assured, that some heads are going to roll because there are some matchups that are featured this week where somebody is going down, somebody's squeaky clean record is going to get marred. The action starts tonight, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN as the Marshall Thundering Herd will go and take on the App State Mountaineers. Now, for the Mountaineers, they do have the one loss on the season, albeit a close, hard-fought loss taking place down there against the Miami Hurricanes in one that they nearly pulled the upset. Chase Bryce has enjoyed his change of home base, now residing in Boone, and the Mountaineers will play host to the Thundering Herd looking to pick up their third win of the year. When I look at this contest, I take away a couple of things, right? Appalachian State's defense is markedly better than Marshall's. That's number one. The QB matchup favors the Mountaineers as Chase Bryce has been more efficient and much less turnover prone than he was last season at Duke. So good step for him forward in maturation. You like to see that out of this young man. Uh, Boone is also a very hard environment to make a road trip, especially at night. In that environment, I think you'll see quarterback Grant Wells, who's the signal caller for Marshall, Uh, I think he's going to commit more turnovers. He's thrown five picks on the year so far versus six touchdowns. And uh, just you cannot go into an atmosphere like Boone, North Carolina, taking on a team like App State and make mental mistakes like that. That defense will make you pay for it, and they play good complementary football on both sides. Now, these two teams do have a common opponent as well. I'm also factoring that into this matchup. App State found a way to dominate ECU, which would be East Carolina University, the Pirates. Now, the Pirates are a scrappy squad. They have they have shown that. They've shown a team that's on the brink of figuring out how to win. But App State did go in there and take care of business by double digits in a game that you never really felt East Carolina had a chance in, and they put them away in that contest. Marshall, on the other hand, had a total collapse in the fourth quarter at home against East Carolina and found a way to lose that one, being outscored 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter outright. So give me the Mountaineers in this contest over the Thundering Herd tonight. I can't wait to tune in and watch that one. On Saturday at noon on Fox, we have a big power matchup as number 12 Notre Dame will be facing off against the number 18th ranked Wisconsin Badgers in this neutral site action at Soldier Field. Now, am I once again crawling out on a limb that I didn't want to crawl out on? Am I really prepared to put faith in the Wisconsin Badgers and their antiquated offense once more? Hell no. Okay, no, absolutely not. They screwed me last year against Northwestern when I took them because that offense, again, proved completely ineffective to get the job done. They screwed me again against Penn State this year. I understand that they outgained Penn State on in the stat lines and everything else, but their inability to get points in the red zone when it mattered 
Graham Mertz's inability to make good decisions and not give the ball away once again put the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, in the hole, and they ended up losing. The, I've, I've said this for a couple of years about Wisconsin. Offensively, they are a huge liability. It's a big liability for these guys. This is a defense and a special teams unit that drags around what I consider to be half an offense. It's a, it's not a complete team. They're not able to make impact splash plays in any other way except lining it up with three tight ends and trying to pound it down your throat. If you're able to take that away from them, I don't like Wisconsin in this matchup. Now, ch- look, every else's models and predictions like Wisconsin. And, uh, and, there, and a lot of them have taken Wisconsin. I've done that research. I'm going against it. Sorry, Charlie. Uh, you guys have you fooled me enough, okay, at this point. I'm, I'm not going to buy it again. I'm not buying that fool's gold. So uh, now that I've said that, you know, uh, I'll, they'll probably win, and I'll be 0-3 calling Wisconsin games. And now I'll just, you know, make sure I don't even touch these losers again as far as uh, <laughs> official calls. But for me, this comes down – to getting out of my head, getting out of the numbers, get out of the stat lines and everybody else's research for a minute and really just ask myself this question. If Wisconsin is forced to throw the ball, can they win this game? And my answer is no. I understand that the Badgers are bringing a very good defense into this contest. Like I said, I get that. I get that they're big and physical and they can establish the run game versus Notre Dame. I also get that. But Notre Dame is the more talented team, in my opinion, with the better quarterback. Now, he's no rock star, but he is better, more proven, more experienced, and has more explosive playmakers around him. This is Jack Cohn, of course, which we're talking about. And the irony of this is he is Wisconsin's uh, former quarterback that is a record holder at Wisconsin for pass yards and touchdowns and everything else, which gives you an idea of you know how antiquated that offense really is. Now, I feel that Notre Dame has the home run ability that Wisconsin does not have. They have backs like Kyron Williams. They have guys like Michael Mayer, who's an X-factor in the tight end game. They have a couple of guys that can make explosive home run type plays on the outside if Cone is able to get the ball. I understand that Jack Cone is a little bit of a liability in the past game. He's not as accurate as you would like. He does have a tendency to overthrow receivers and not put the ball exactly on the money. And Wisconsin could make him pay for that in the turnover game. But again, it's just Notre Dame to me has the ability to hit a home run if and when they do need it. I feel like they also have a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball that can make some splash plays against that Wisconsin offense. And Wisconsin is not a hard algorithm to figure out offensively. If you load that box and you are able to stymie that run game and put them in third and five, third and six kind of you know situations on the day, I don't like their ability to keep the chains moving. So I know Notre Dame has not looked impressive. I understand that. I know they haven't looked impressive this year, but it's week four. And I think in their case, you may see, see some improvement in this contest I mean, after all, they are actually coming off of their best performance uh, against Purdue, what what we saw last week. So give me Notre Dame in neutral site action to take out the Wisconsin Badgers. Next, we're previewing a game uh, that is also taking place on noon Saturday on ESPN. Speaking of another team that I believe will take a step towards getting better this week, we're talking about the LSU Tigers. Now, since losing the opener to UCLA in Los Angeles, the Tigers have managed a pair of wins versus McNeese State and Central Michigan. I know that that's not 
That doesn't sound like the most impressive resume, right? But they were able to beat the Chippewas by 28 points last week, as Max Johnson has proven to be a solid option at quarterback. Now, you have to remember Central Michigan is a team that in week one uh, was able to put up a pretty stout contest against the Missouri Tigers. Uh, you know, a pretty high, high-powered offense there, and they got their points as well. You know, so to me, for... LSU to get a 28-point win against that squad, which I was actually leaning towards the Chippewas uh, covering that spread against LSU. I didn't make that an outright play because I wasn't totally sure about it. But that, that to me, is a pretty solid win and the mark of a team that's starting to kind of get their shit together, if you will. Now, Kayshawn Butte, wide receiver for LSU, is still an absolute difference maker in the game. I think he has the ability to break out and take over a game. And I don't see a player on the Mississippi State squad that has that ability to do that. Mississippi State is fresh off of their defeat at the hands of the Memphis Tigers. And they finally paid for their bipolar inconsistent play this year. This pick for me comes down to what I trust more. And the fact of the matter is, is I don't trust Mississippi State. They have a tendency to play very loose, undisciplined, and a sloppy brand of football, in my opinion. They have been penalized 30 times this season for an average of 74 yards per contest. And that certainly can swing the difference when you're talking about getting into conference play. They are also just 36% on third down conversions, which is a hair worse than LSU is. LSU sitting at about 39%, but I am really considering their win versus NC State to be a little bit of a fluke at this point. And we're also fading the ACC opponents in general. Remember, NC State is coming out of the ACC, which hasn't looked all that terribly impressive this year out of conference. So again, kind of fading that win a little bit. And I think we see LSU start to gel this week and some talent on that Tigers roster start expressing itself a little bit clearer. So we are going with the LSU Tigers to actually go in and pull what the power predictor would say is an upset right now. But again, I can't really consider this an upset in true fashion. But give, give, give us LSU. 3.30, CBS, SEC, game of the week. The number seventh ranked Texas A&M Aggies are going to take on the number 16th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Yes, the 16th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. And if you haven't been paying attention to Arkansas football too much over the last several years, I can't blame you. But Sam Pittman certainly has these guys playing with an identity and a different pep in their step. Now, this is big neutral site action from Dallas. Again, Jerry World, an Arkansas alumni. I just kind of like feel it in the air that this was sort of set up, you know, and and this is the perfect kind of situation for Arkansas, right? As the Aggies and the Razorbacks will uh, clash in that venue. Now, this one, again, like we said, is the CBS game of the week. And I don't think this will disappoint. Now, I will say this. If you love old school Big 12 Uh, style basketball on turf kind of games where 100 points are going to get scored, this might not be the game for you to watch. For Texas A&M, we are seeing a team that reminds me a lot of what Notre Dame is going through right now. They replaced a lot up front. Playmakers at wide receiver haven't really emerged the way you really would want them to. The QB situation was already suspect. Then starter Haynes King goes down with the injury, and Zach Calzada is going to be your guy there uh, for the Aggies for the foreseeable future. Also talented running back Anaya Smith is also questionable coming into this contest for the Aggies. We don't know to what extent he'll be healthy. 
On defense, the Aggies are very talented up front and solid in all three levels of the defense, but this team has a minus three turnover ratio on the year that has pressed that defense into service probably a little more than you'd want coming ahead of this sort of physical matchup. For the Razorbacks, they come in with a very physical, fast, and tenacious defensive unit that we knew was going to be good prior to the season starting. Bumper Pool is an absolute dog at middle linebacker, and this unit plays like it's the national championship every week. They just fly around with great effort and don't make things easy on offenses. On offense for the Razorbacks, a a culture of toughness and a commitment to the run has defined them. They average 6.1 yards per carry on the year, and wide receiver Traylon Burks is a legitimate playmaker in the passing game, so they have an element of the ability to stretch the field as well as what, you know, complement what they do uh, in the run game. And then an X factor in the run game is also the mobile quarterback in KJ Jefferson, who's actually averaging 10 yards per attempt when he does throw it again, because of a playmaker like Traylon Burks on top of, you know, what they do on the ground, staying balanced and everything else. They, they are also playing complimentary football in all three phases of the game right now. I believe that dragged out of the friendly confines of Kyle Field, this matchup looks a little different for Texas A&M than how I would lean if they maybe were playing at home in front of 100,000 people. This reminds me a little bit of the scenario from last week with Michigan State versus Miami in that we knew one team was underperforming and showing that perhaps they aren't as good as advertised going against a hungry team that is playing good football, right? So, Suey Pig, let's go Razorbacks. We're taking Arkansas to shock the world and pull the upset against a Texas A&M team that's sort of left us a little bit uh, wanting wanting more from their uh, from their performances and also a Texas A&M team that's a little bit beat up right now. They're not totally healthy and against a physical, tough, determined, inspired opponent like they're going to face in Arkansas, you know, um, you're going to want 100% healthy. So, So give us the Razorbacks in this one. Number nine, Clemson versus NC State, 3.30 Saturday on ESPN. What do we think about this one? Here's a game where we like the under, first off, okay? And in some ways, it's similar to the last game we previewed. Again, this is an elite, quote-unquote, or what was perceived to be an elite team against a team that looks better and has performed better, albeit even with that loss on their resume to Mississippi State. Again, I'm thinking if they line that up and they play that again, I would, again, lean NC State. Uh, I just feel like... For whatever reason, the moment was a little too big for them traveling to Starkville. I don't know. Maybe it was the Cowbells. I don't know. But again, I, th- that's a little fluky to me that, you know, given what I've seen out of Mississippi State against their other opponents. But nonetheless, once again, right, the favored team is not playing in their comfort zone at home. This is not taking place in Death Valley and faces they face a stout defensive unit coming in with an anemic offense of their own. Now, this game to me is going to be a rock fight. Once again, I'm I'm leaning hard on the under. I wouldn't be surprised if there was less than 40 points scored total in this game. And I feel really do feel like the first to 21 basically is going to win this. Uh, if it even gets there, right? I believe Clemson's defense is capable of playing at a very high level. 
Now, on offense, the Tigers just don't have it. They are reaping, in my opinion, what they've sown in recruiting over the last three to four years. And and that is simply, they've largely ignored the quality of their offensive line recruiting. Clemson is small up front. We, we previewed this coming into the season when we did win totals pods. Uh, they're, they're small up front. That O-line has displayed not only the lack of size, but the lack of physical play that accompanies size. And that is affecting every other facet of this offense. DJ Uyunglele is not confident behind that front five, and I don't blame him. The run game has also been a major cause for concern as they fail to be balanced in any way. Clemson's passing attack is also not what we're accustomed to. Look, bottom line is this. This team lost the heart and soul of their offense when Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne bounced the NFL. They lost their veteran offensive linemen, and they also lost, in my opinion, what what is really hurting them is a change of pace wide receiver. Last year, they tried that with Cornell Powell, sort of, but there is no Hunter Renfro. There is no Adam Humphreys. They don't have that slot guy that's going to go out there and be a great possession dude at the five to, to eight yard margin who's going, you know, has those sure hands, is going to keep those chains moving. They're they're throwing it out there to a bunch of red zone threats. But the problem is, is they're not in the red zone. So I, I feel like they have a lot of the same type of wide receivers. They don't really have a change of pace guy to kind of keep the chains moving. And they're not using DJ Uyunglele in the run game like we thought we might see out of him. And I think that, honestly, has to do a lot with the depth of quarterback that's behind him or the lack of depth of quarterback that's behind him. I don't think you're seeing the coaching staff wanting to take a risk at getting him hurt with a lot of QB-designed runs. And so what you have is an offense that just doesn't scare anybody. And even with you know all the playmakers that they had last year, they were still vulnerable last year. They lost in South Bend, they nearly fell to Boston College, and they got throttled by Ohio State. So if not for Clemson's defense, this team could very well, and probably should be, one and two on the year. They have, uh, they've beaten NC State eight years in a row. And this is what I will say, this is the one thing that does make me sort of hesitant with with the sort of toss-up pick. I am leaning one way on this one, and we'll have to make a determination because it is one of the six games we're going to preview. But Dave Doran in these sorts of games is not great, right? Uh, Big moment games, out-of-conference games. NC State does a very good job of winning the games that they should win. And but you're, they don't really throw a lot of knockout punches, pull a lot of upsets, or have a lot of big splash wins. So that is one thing that makes me a little bit reserved about this one. But I, I will say this. I believe there is enough evidence to suggest that they could and they should win this game and would no, love nothing less than to hand the Tigers a loss in front of a home crowd. Plus, I think NC State's loss again to Mississippi State one more time, I'll say it again, was uh, a little bit of a fluke, but a loss can have a way of calming a team down a little bit and recentering them as well. You know, so pressure's, in my opinion, sort of off for NC State, and it's on for the Tigers, right? If, if NC State comes out of this game with a loss, it's just like, well, okay, so they lost to Clemson. Big, you know, big deal. They've been doing that for eight years. But the pressure is on. For Clemson, and they are going into Raleigh into what should be a pretty raucous environment at an odd kickoff time at 3.30 to take on a very game team in the ACC anyway. So, 
Let's take the other boot dropping for the first time in the better part of the decade as we see NC State taking out Clemson in this environment in a nasty defensive rock fight that I think is going to prove to be a little too much for Clemson's anemic offense to escape. The last official play that we have as far as outright winners predicting is Nebraska versus number 20, Michigan State. That'll be Saturday, 7 p.m. on FS1. Michigan State is playing good ball right now. Nebraska is not. I understand the Huskers represented themselves well, quote-unquote, in Norman versus Oklahoma. I was shocked at how well they played, actually, but this was still a loss, and I just don't think Nebraska is a team that understands how to win. I feel like they are a team that craves victory but doesn't expect it. The culture of defeat is strong there, and for Scott Frost, time is running out on moral victories. I think it's already passed. In East Lansing, Mel Tucker has Sparty rolling after dousing the Hurricanes at Hard Rock last weekend. Michigan State looks like a team that understands how to win. They recognize opportunities to put a game and an opponent away. They are vastly improved in every metric from last season. And the addition of the Wake Forest transfer, Kenneth Walker III at running back, has really elevated this Michigan State attack and brought balance they didn't have last year. Mel Tucker is a defensive specialist, and I like him to game plan for Adrian Martinez and the Huskers. And by the way, quick note, if Kenneth Walker keeps running like he is and Sparty goes on a roll, with how bad some of these Heisman preseason favorites are performing right now, uh, I think it's safe to say Spencer Rattler's dreams are probably over for that. DJ Uyunglele is probably out. Uh, JT Daniels had to sit out a game already and didn't have a really good showing against Clemson. He would have to get real hot to, to recapture those, those Heisman hopes. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy that's putting up 160 yards rushing per week and a couple of touchdowns every week snatches it. I'm just saying, he may, it may be deservedly so. So there, there you go. There you have a Heisman dark horse for me and Kenneth Walker III. Uh, let's let's get into some other games going around the horn. These are not prediction. These are not um, what I would call official picks, right? We're not laying official lines on these ones, but uh, these are just games that I'm interested in because they will shape our perceptions of the season moving forward. Rutgers at number nine, Michigan. This is the week that the Scarlet Knights get rolled. Okay. This is where the snake oil salesman gets exposed and the party is over for Rutgers. Don't be fooled by the record or the deception in their stat lines. Michigan is going to run through them like wet toilet paper and probably take the ball away three plus times on the defensive side. I think Rutgers gets crushed in Ann Arbor and Michigan established themselves again as, you know, a legitimate threat in the Big Ten East. West Virginia versus number four, Oklahoma. Oklahoma may be ranked fourth, but they haven't looked the part. They are doing a poor job of playing a complimentary style of ball as everything seems disjointed with this team right now. They are 17-point favorites over West Virginia at the moment, but I wouldn't be shocked to see the Mountaineers cover this spread. The Sooners are dreadful against the spread this year. I'm not calling an upset in Norman, but if this was played in Morgantown, I'd flirt with it. Good news for Oklahoma, your defense is not the liability anymore. UTSA, that would be the University of Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners versus the Memphis Tigers. We got a gut feeling last year watching Coastal Carolina play early in the year, and we said, look out, this little team is pretty solid. We think that they could be good. 
And lo and behold, what happens? Coastal Carolina has their Cinderella year. And guess what? They're in the top 25 this year, still playing at a high level. The Roadrunners of UTSA, to me, is this year's Darlings. They are the 2021 Darlings of the Dance. They are our Huckleberries. They are our little giants, number one in our hearts, right? Uh, We like them to roll into Liberty, into the Liberty Bowl, I should say, and grab a W against Memphis on Saturday. Now, watch out for these little guys. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. They already pulled my upset magic in week one versus Illinois. I believe in you, UTSA Roadrunners. I I think that you guys could win Conference USA this year. I'm just going to go ahead and say that now. We'll go ahead and bookmark this one, see how it ages. Upset alert. We already called these for the most part, okay, because some of my official picks would also be upsets. I've parlayed these, if you will. So Clemson, you're on it. Texas A&M, you're on alert. But if you're looking for one more to lay a potential upset, bet on check out number 25 Kansas State taking a trip to Stillwater Oklahoma to take on Oklahoma State Oklahoma State's rush defense is actually fairly stout and both of these teams are playing with sort of backup quarterback roles right now but Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State has been the X factor in what it is they've been able to do as an all-purpose back. If Oklahoma State is able to slow down Kansas State's run game, play good defensive football, and get a little something going on offense at home in front of a home environment, you know, Kansas State is a team that's already halfway to their six-win total that I said that they were going to get. I don't foresee this team running the table squeaky clean and winning the Big 12 this year, so I could see this as a very, very likely potential stumbling block for them in uh, against Oklahoma State. So Kansas State, you're on upset alert. Best bets. Here we go. Here's your best bets. Get them. Get them while you can. We've been hitting pretty strong on these at about 80% on the year. Here we go. First one, Akron, you're going to cover versus Ohio State. Let me tell you why. Listen to this point spread. 48 and a half points. That basically means that Ohio State is favored by 49 points. This is a huge spread for anybody to cover with there's a multitude of reasons why I don't think they recover this ridiculous spread if you're Ohio State, right? Um, There's a number of factors of this. The defense hasn't been all that great, okay? Uh, Also, if you are playing an opponent like Akron, you're probably going to want to get out of there with the win as quickly as possible. You're not worrying about so much style points. You're going to rotate some guys in to get some playing in depth as well, right? Probably keep the ball on the ground a lot, which is going to cause a shorter game. And, oh, by the way, as I'm sitting here recording this, Bleacher Report lets me know that they are resting C.J. Stroud for this game. So, 48 and a half points. Get on this spread immediately while you can because I don't think Ohio State is going to cover that. So I like Akron to actually cover the spread versus Ohio State. Uh, We like Missouri. Uh, to uh, uh, Missouri uh, against Boston College. Okay, the over-under set at 58. We like the over in this game. Missouri has a very dynamic offense that's able to move the ball and score points. Connor Bazelak is a very, very good quarterback. They have playmakers like Tyler Beatty. They put up points, okay? Uh, Boston College, I think, will also put up points because Missouri's defense is quite porous. They do not play well in the second, third level. They are susceptible to the big play. So I think Boston College will score their points, but Missouri will score enough points 
to force Boston College to have to continue to score. I'm not taking either one of these teams in this matchup. I'm not touching this game as far as an official prediction. I'm just saying take the over. We also like Coastal Carolina to cover against UMass. Their point total sitting at 36. UMass is one of the worst teams in all of college football and has been for a while. And we think Coastal would like to make a statement win after their close win versus Buffalo on the road. We like the under in Texas A&M versus Arkansas. And we like Michigan to roll Rutgers and cover their 21-point spread against the Scarlet Knights. We think that that will be a huge possibility here. Let me address this really quick thought, just real fast. You may be asking yourself why some of these elite teams don't look so elite this year. I will tell you, this is a theory that's been bouncing around, and I agree with it. 2020, you still had an exodus of talent to the NFL from your elite teams, but because the year didn't count against anybody for eligibility, I think you had a lot of second and third tier teams return guys that either were not going to go pro or had to put up some better tape to improve their draft status. And so what you're seeing is experience versus young talent. You're seeing second, third tier teams have grown men with football playing experience going against young unproven talent early in the year and I think as the year continues that young talent will begin to gel play better and things will get back to normal but for right now we're seeing the bloodbath that is ensuing because of that I don't know those are my thoughts and the thoughts of some other people what are your thoughts hey if you enjoyed this today please do us a favor and subscribe follow the podcast five-star reviews are always appreciated and don't forget to follow us on an Instagram Facebook page and group and remember any given time, any given place, any given topic, get it at any given you.